Podcasting from Albuquerque, New Mexico, the land of enchantment, this is the weekly podcast called The Rendezvous. Your hosts are Lance and Kenny, a nerdy gay couple exploring current events, social justice, atheism, mental and physical health, humanism, politics, gaming, spirituality, religion, and a whole lot of other nerdy stuff. Both Lance and Kenny are graduates from the University of Massachusetts with bachelor's degrees, both with honors. Lance has an MS in health education and is currently working on a master's in marriage and family therapy, while Kenny completed courses towards a master's of social work, but later switched gears and is now working on a master's degree in software engineering. Now, let's get this show brewing. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome back to another edition of the Rendezvous Podcast with your host, Lance and Kenny. Ooh, my Ooh. name's Bert. I know, I decided to put you first for once. Today's topic is going to be immigration, specifically immigration coming across from the southern border. Comprehensive immigration. Oh, and what's our title? Our title for our podcast this week is... Dun, da, da, da. Beyond the Wall. Multiple reasons. One, Game of Thrones starts today. Dun, da, da, da. As you may have guessed, we're recording on Sunday, finally, so things will actually be up on time. Today, Kenny is taking the wheel and learning how to host the podcast, and he picked the topic. So he did 99.9% of the research, and he's got a lot to cover, so I am going to be his backup. And Don't expect too much from me, though. <laughs> Don't expect too much. <laughs> Hey, it's your first time. You you go with the positive vibes and we'll just, we'll spruce it up in post-production. So when we're talking about immigrants. And immigration. And immigration. Uh, crossing the southern border. How do you think we should refer to them? If they come here, if they cross the border without documentation, they are? Immigrants. Immigrants. Right. They're, they're immigrants, regardless. Immigrants. Right. They are not illegal aliens. No. And you guys may have caught that I called Kenny out on saying illegal immigrants, not because I think he was being bigoted, I just don't think his his thought process was fully formed when he said it, because he himself has even criticized the use of illegal because people can't be illegal. Right. Humans are not illegal. <clears throat> so, go ahead. The proper term is undocumented immigrant. Yes. Um, and so... Which I think is a really sad framing of our talking of immigration anyway because no matter what people are immigrants whether they're undocumented or documented and i think this framing of documented versus undocumented not saying this is what you're doing but politically we do this because we want to make it seem like we're granting special privileges to people when they enter the country and i hate borders so However, flip side of that is that um, by using undocumented immigrants, it's a way that we can respectfully refer to people who don't have documentation. Absolutely. So I think it gives us oh, it is a, it is a good way to to um. And mind you, before we jump in, immigrating to America is an expensive process and it's a scary process. And if you talk to 
anybody. So when I lived in Massachusetts in high school, we were getting a lot of people from El Salvador and Guatemala. And when you talk to these people, one, choosing to leave your country is terrifying. And this this process of immigration, we make it sound like people are just walking across the border and it's nothing. It's not nothing. People die in this process. People make really risky decisions because they want better for their families. They want safety. So keep that in mind as we start talking numbers and dollars and laws and politicians that these are people that are making really difficult choices because wherever they are, things are not safe for them. Exactly. They're, they're, they're making this trek for a reason. It's not just be because uh, they want to. I'm right. sure they want to, um, but it's more than just a want. And to. a lot of times it's a they, need. Right. To. Exactly. They don't really want to do it. People do love their country, but their country might not be safe. It could be going through severe instability right now, such as the case with Venezuela. Probably Brazil soon. Brazil. Brazil is yeah. So that's going to be a mess. So undocumented, undocumented immigrant is the term that. We will use it's the term that most people on uh, like who share our uh, point of views. It's how they how they uh, those of us that respect humans. Yes, that's the the term you will use. Now, the uh, our current administration, however, has decided that the term undocumented immigrant should not be allowed um, in the court system and have instructed everyone to use the term illegal alien. Um, the Justice Department has instructed everyone within it to use the term illegal alien, which is unfortunate. But that's not the only thing that's unfortunate about this current administration. (laughs) There is a lot of things that are unfortunate. Yeah. And one of the first points that you have listed that I really appreciate is why illegal immigrant is a really, really horrible phrasing. Because one, and I've said this before, I don't want to dehumanize the other side, no matter what we're discussing, no matter how much we disagree, you don't want to dehumanize and calling somebody an illegal immigrant. You just took their humanity from them. No, no one, no one wants to 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 be called um, seen as being illegal. It's also it's demeaning. Yeah. And uh, well, for example, story time. So when Lance and I used to run the shelter, we had one youth who um, who we cared for. And he was starting. Uh, he he had moved into the into the shelter with us, and he he was starting a new school. And he didn't have any documentation because his family was undocumented. And he was terrified to start this new school because he didn't have papers. Right. Um, however, you don't have to have papers to go to a public school. But it's still like Here. the the shame. There's there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of stigma that surrounds the idea that you're in the country without documentation. Right. And so a lot of things are done in the shadows, not done at all, and just avoided uh, areas especially where you where you need those documentation. Like for us to go to school, not a big deal. We we have papers and we can show all these things, but if you cross the border, you know, you don't you don't have those things exactly. and so you have to navigate a system that you're not prepared to really navigate. Like his family, they they weren't used to this. So. Right. And thankfully our system here in New Mexico is really immigrant friendly. You can get a driver's license even if you're here with undocumented status. Which I, I think we actually discussed yep. last last week. I have the hiccups, so I apologize. And we make it so 
that one, you are legally driving, you can have insurance, everything's taken care of. But beyond that, you can register your kids at school because you have an ID, because you have things that back up that you do live here. And it it just makes things more human for the individuals. Uh, One other thing uh, regarding undocumented immigrants. So the conservative belief is that undocumented immigrants, the term is a politically correct term that was made up and adopted by pro-illegal alien advocacy groups and liberal media outlets to obscure the fact that such aliens have violated U.S. immigration law and are in the country illegally, which is just, I mean, it has nothing to do with obscuring the fact that they're in the country without papers. Saying that they're undocumented immigrants, you obviously know that they're in the country without papers. It's, it's no different. It's not. And, and one of the issues... That I mean, was, it's, there, there is a difference between using the terms, but right. like the underlying... like The meaning is the same. The, the tone of both words is radically different, but <clears throat> it means the same thing. Well said. Thank you. I, I sometimes can manage English but not frequently. So moving on, where do most of these immigrants come from? Most people probably think in the U.S. In the U.S., most people probably feel that most uh, immigrants that cross the border uh, undocumented are Mexican. Or from one of the Mexican countries, as Fox News pointed out. For a second, I was like, what are you talking about? There are no (laughs) other Mexican countries. (laughs) Well, don't forget, Fox News says there are. Well, there is New Mexico. And, and which we apparently are a country, and we... Yeah, we I think I mentioned this before, like how my mom talked, still thinks yeah. like... Well, she doesn't still think, but in the beginning, she she thought that a I was lot of people, moving across the border a lot of to Mexico. Do. Like, people hear New Mexico, and I swear to God, part of their brain shuts off, so all they hear is the word Mexico. And people are like, oh, how are you going to live, and yeah. you don't really speak the language? We're still in America, yeah. folks. So as of 2016, there were about 1.5, I think there's about 11 million, I don't have it right in front of me, but there was like 11 million, 11.5 million undocumented immigrants, I believe. Um, In 2016, however, there were 1.5 million fewer um, living in the United States than in 2017. So, oh, from Mexico, from from Mexico. Uh, So what that's saying is that the, what'd you find? More than 44.5 million immigrants resided in the United States in 2017, the historical high since census records have been kept. Okay, but that's probably documented and undocumented. That doesn't really say. It says one in seven U.S. residents is foreign-born. Yeah, that's definitely documented and undocumented. Now, mind you, that sounds like a massive number. That's less than 14% of our population. Mm. That's, right. that's not as big as it sounds. Right. But so 11.5 million of those, I'm, I'm saying, is um, undocumented. Right. They're undocumented. And while they used to be coming from Mexico, the, the, the majority of them were coming from Mexico, that's not the case anymore. Uh, in the past few years, there's been an increase uh, in people coming from Central America. Right. And uh, that's, that's what's happening in Central America. And we're seeing uh, – I have a hair on my laptop <laughs> – um, the big thing. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove my, uh, I'm gonna share my ge- my geography skills here. Oh lord. Uh, Honduras is that? Where is that? Really? Yes, South what America. Do you mean? Yeah. Okay. And then Venezuela, South America. It's more like Central America, not really South America, because South America is mostly Brazil, and right. Argentina, and Peru. But yeah, you're 
It's Central America. Yeah. So Central America is where the ma- the majority of undocumented immigrants are coming from um, currently. Uh, there's been a decline coming from Mexico, and the number one reason for this, for the decline, um, for people who have like left here and actually gone back to Mexico is for family reunification purposes. So we both have to back up a bit. In 2017, Mexicans accounted for 25, about 25% of the immigrants to the United States, the largest foreign-born group. However, Indians and Chinese were the next two largest groups, each comprising close to six percent, followed by Filipinos at twenty or twenty jeez, followed by Filipinos at five percent. Right. But those are those are documented. Yes. And yeah. the top ten were El Salvador, Vietnam, Cuba, and the Dominican Republic. Right. South uh, Korea and Guatemala. Right. And so the top ten, um although this is just saying these countries were the origin for 57% of the U.S. immigrant population in 2017. I don't think this is distinguishing between... It's not, no. Between documented and undocumented. Right, right yeah. So, but if you look at where there come, where the undocumented immigrants come from, it's uh, the southern border, and they're mainly coming from Central America at this point, and they're coming and there's to escape a reason. persecution. They're, they're coming because uh, there's like... Um, we sent MS-13 down. Food shortages. I mean... There's so gang violence. There's a lot of shit happening, and there's reason for them to come here. And don't there's, believe the GOP lie that MS-13 is coming to the United States. MS-13 has started, been here. It started here. It <laughs> in started the prison here system, in right? The prison system. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then we exported them. We we got rid of them and sent them back to their countries. And now they're destroying these countries and the cities, and their people are trying to flee. What we did, and mind you, a lot of the political instability in Central and South America is American-made. Yes. From all the way back well before Reagan to current administration. We meddle in politics so much, undercover, without saying anything Continue to to do so. Yeah. I just just read an article, um, never mind, I'm going to get sidetracked, but I just read an article where we were, you know, doing our thing that America does in other countries in their government. So they leave for a number of reasons, persecution, uh, you know, LGBTQ uh, immigrants trying to leave so they so they aren't murdered, which happens a lot. Right. So this is from the Migration Policy Group, and they actually discuss how recently arrived immigrants are more likely to come from Asia, with India and China leading the way. I think another part of the confusion is that a lot of families... Even kids that were born here will often see themselves as coming from Mexico because they have such tight connection. Right, like families who have come from Mexico, but their children were born born here and they see themselves as being Mexican. So I think now the most populous recently arrived immigrants are from Asia, India, China. And then there's also like sizable populations of Dominicans. Uh, Filipinos, right, Cuban. and and again, those are not to be confused with the undocumented immigrants. Right. Those are documented. Do you have anything you want to add about what they might be escaping, what they're going through? You know, there was a really good. I'm going to look this up really quick. There was a. You are a terrible interviewer. Yeah, I'm terrible. Ask me a question and then move on without letting me answer. This hair on my laptop. I think you grew a second hair, so it's probably Owen. Um, I did want to say. So I know we're bouncing back and forth between immigrants and undocumented immigrants. 
and it can get a little confusing, but it's important that all the numbers are discussed and not just the numbers that make a certain population look bad. And there are actually U.S. residents that are recent immigrants. Immigrants and their U.S.-born children are around 89.4 million people. That's 28% of the overall U.S. population. We are and have always been a nation of immigrants. And I don't want anyone to lose sight of that. None of us, most of us, <laughs> would not be here if we were not a nation of immigrants. And truthfully, the first illegal immigrants were the white folks that landed in in North America. Did you say legal immigrants? Illegal. Oh, you mean they were undocumented? No, they were illegal. <laughs> they, <clears throat> they just came in raped, pillaged, and plundered. Yeah. So how do they get here? Who? The people from South America and immigrants. There's a variety of ways. There they is. know a lot. So the hype of this caravan crap is really annoying. It does happen. It does happen regularly. And there is a reason. These people don't have the funds to make it. A lot of people there we've watched. Um, oh, that's what I was going Yeah, say. it's Which Way Home is a documentary on Netflix. You can watch it. Um, watch it. Watch it, yeah. It's a documentary that follows... Uh, child immigrants or migrants on their journey through Mexico as they try to get to the United States. And it, it, it's exactly what it says. It, it follows them through their journey. Um, and they're riding on top of trains. Right. And I mean, they're doing some shit. And to check get out here. Vice. Vice has done some really good stories on uh, making the trip through Mexico on board mm -hmm. trains, what the peril really is like. It's, it's uh, for, for one, okay, these people in Central America, they are traveling, I don't know, I'm going to say like thousands of miles. I could yeah, be completely wrong. No, it is. They're on foot, traveling thousands of miles to get somewhere on foot with like... Days. With their, with their child having to carry their right. child. I mean, they're not doing that for fun. It's no. not like a, it's not like fun. They're, they're crossing the border and probably completely losing friends and family, leaving them behind for good hopefully for the better of their own lives and their, their children's And lives. a lot of people die making this journey, yeah. and they know this going in. And they, <clears throat> a lot of people have to depend on, um, uh, they're called coyotes, and they're people that kind of help smuggle them across the mm -hmm. border. And these are sketchy people, but it's one of the only chances they have to get across because to enter the United States legally and stay <laughs> takes forever and cost a fortune I, it was something in like the thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in order to actually get to the point where you can live and work in the united states that is crazy also uh mind you people who uh migrants who are able to get the help of coyotes um without you know not all coyotes are good no most aren't most aren't and they they most i'm sure do it for, it the, for money. the money right um but they get a lot of money from the migrants. It's like it can be thousands, thousands of dollars, yep. two, three thousand dollars for these guys and these families to like get the help of a coyote to cross the dangerous parts of the deserts where they can get through. And it's the only way they can get here. Honestly, the amount of money that these people are spending is so they can get here. Imagine doing the thousands of dollars to get here and then thousands of dollars to be here legally. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, with the caravan, the, this car this idea that the caravan is like, Ow. like 
approaching our border and they're just going to like <laughs> ram through and like just over 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 run the border it was a political show it was what happened they got to where they were going and they had to be they they they, they can't just like cross through no. i mean they obviously have to stop and go through a whole process right. to get here and so this idea that this caravan us. is going to like just pour through is right. It's bullshit. It, it is. It's it's political theater, and it was designed to scare people that don't have an understanding. And any amount of time that you invest into understanding the situations that these people are going through and coming from, it can be absolutely terrifying. So what is the biggest fear about immigrants? Crossing taking our, our jobs. Taking our jobs. Taking our jobs. They're going to take our jobs. They're going to cost us so jobs. much money. They're going to cost us all this money. However, um, do you know anyone who wants to do, like, the work that these immigrants are doing? The people, a lot of the people who complain about immigrants taking the work are people who don't work. Yep. They don't work. And if they, they likely wouldn't do the work that immigrants do. Exactly. I mean, it's not easy work that they do. They have to get these jobs in unsafe working environments just to support their families after crossing the border. And I guarantee you... Most of those people, if not all of those people who say, oh, they're taking my jobs, they're taking my jobs, mm -hmm. they would not work for $3 an hour maybe. Right. And not even that, but these people are doing really dangerous jobs. They're in fields for hours on end. They're exposed to chemicals mm -hmm. because we spray our food with horrifying chemicals and then and they have them uh, a lot a lot of these families have to migrate according to the seasons through right. the country right and and work on farms so it's like a, it's like a life of moving i mean you know you lived in north carolina mm -hmm. with immigrants on uh like purdue's farms and yes. a lot of these big factory farms if undocumented immigrants were not in this country our country would come to a grinding yes. halt yes if we took every undocumented immigrant and were able to like cast them out this country would fall apart, right? Yep. It would just fall apart. We would have no food. We would have no restaurants. We would have no... Uh, we, we would have nothing. Like, this, this country would absolutely not function. A lot of the people that complain about immigrants that are really wealthy, like Trump, uh -huh. a lot of these people depend on undocumented immigrants in order for their businesses to survive. Right. And he alone has Mar-a-Lago, I believe, mostly are documented immigrants. But they're from foreign-born countries. Right. And they or all come over so that they can be cheap labor. Right. And, like, it's, it's I, I believe it was Mar-a-Lago. It was, was Mar-a-Lago, yeah. He, uh, there's a certain kind of visa. It right. might just be a work visa. I don't know. But... No, it's a special... I know the yeah. I can't remember what it is. But I it's saw a like visa. there was there was an article that saying that Mar-a-Lago had applied for like a billion of them. It's ridiculous, and he's the first to complain about immigrants. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious about is, do we know exactly how much undocumented immigrants contribute to the economy, like dollar wise? Oh, I couldn't know, but... I couldn't find any information. Uh, everything said that it's just like really difficult to determine that because they are undocumented. So. Right. But they do contribute tax money. They do, exactly. They contribute a lot of money to the system. Uh, they contribute more than they take from They the contribute system. to the economy. Yep. They they have to they have to pay rent. They have to buy food. They have to you know, they have to do all of these things. So they are contributing to the economy, regardless of what other people say about how they're taking our jobs and they're costing us money. <laughs> that is not the case. What? You mean the politicians aren't telling us the truth? It, no, it's it's not the case. Not the case at How all. How dare them? There's a weird divide in America, and, and I think 
our families kind of represent this pretty well. Like my family and your family mm -hmm. on two very different sides of this because they're from two very different parts of the country with two very different, I guess, sets of privilege versus lack of privilege. I yes. Guess. I think it boils down to education. It does. A lot. Your family is far more educated than mine. My parents, not educated, both left high school. So there's not a lot of education in my family, right. which sucks because everything that they vote for, and I've said this before in a previous podcast, they completely vote against their own self-interest. My, right. my, my mother and father vote against their, their own self-interest. And it's really unfortunate. And I've talked to them about this, but they just... It's not uncommon, though. No, it's, it's extremely common. It's extremely common, especially in low-income areas in the rural, rural South. Rural areas yeah. have a, a bad tendency. To I do think this. a lot of it, too, with like rural areas, there are fewer jobs in rural areas. Oh, and so absolutely. when you do have immigrants coming in, whether documented or undocumented, right. sometimes people will see that as a threat. Right. To like, you know, to their job, to their, their, um, their well-being. Which is sad. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up was the wait for a visa to enter the U.S. The actual wait when you apply for a visa can be up to 20 years. Wow. So I don't know anything about visas. Can you, to, all right, so if you apply for a visa, mm -hmm. can you work before you get the visa? Depends on, no, you can't even enter the country. Oh, you have to have the visa to enter the country. Okay. But you can get a work visa. Right. Okay. But that's temporary, right? Right. But there are, like, just to get a visa, just to unite your family here can take 20 years. Mm -hmm. 20 years. But, gee, I don't understand mm -hmm. why people want to cross the border without doing that. It, it just, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Let's talk about healthcare a little bit. I don't know anything about I healthcare. don't know a lot about healthcare. I did manage to dig up. I mean, I know <laughs> I know a little about healthcare. <laughs> I have a degree uh, in it. But when it comes to you know, undocumented immigrants looking for healthcare. Right. How often do they seek healthcare? Well, first of all, how much how much do they cost us as a country a year? I don't think it's that high. So Forbes did an article in uh, February 2018 that that uh, came up with a figure of around 18.5 billion dollars a year unauthorized immigrants. However, 11.2 billion of that was subsidized care. What does that mean? Subsidized care? Yeah. Uh, the government pays at least in part for it. Okay. Whoa. Anti-immigrant rhetoric in the United States is tied to a 40% increase in hate crimes and over a four-year period, I know, directed against Latino and Hispanics and people just perceived to be immigrants. Holy shit. 40% increase in hate crimes. That is crazy. All right, guys and girls and everyone else, we are going to take a super quick break. We're going to do our advertisements a little differently this time. We're actually going to do two advertisements back-to-back -back instead of doing the two split apart so that we can do 30-minute segments instead of doing 20-minute segments. I was terrible at the 30 minutes, and I'm slightly better – or 20 minutes. I'm slightly better at the 30 minutes. So it will be a total of uh, one minute? I think we'll be gone for one minute. How long are the ads? I think it's two minutes. Two minutes. All right. Anyways, we will see you guys in just a few minutes. Welcome. 
welcome back from the break. We are handing the wheel back over to Mr. Kenny to continue leading us in a discussion on immigration and healthcare and the numbers. And let's talk about why this is important, because there are a lot of myths about this. Yes. All right. So just before the break, we discussed that healthcare costs the the US government for undocumented immigrants it cost about 18.5 million i think is is what it had said yes billion um, billion not million billion yeah 18.5 billion can undocumented immigrants get healthcare in the US where do they get it from i actually don't know okay so under medicaid federal funding cannot be used to cover unauthorized immigrants except for the payment of emergency services states can and do use state only medicaid programs to cover such individuals under the American the, or the ACA, which is what is the ACA? Obamacare. Yes, yeah, but what is it actually? Affordable Care Act. Care Act. Yeah. So under that, uh, you also have to be documented in order to see receive. To, um, yeah. To buy insurance. To it's buy not insurance, even just right. to be covered. In order to buy insurance, you have to be a documented immigrant. Right. Nonsense. So there really isn't a lot of places that immigrants can can ways that immigrants can get health care undocumented immigrants can get health care without going out into the community yep. most of the services provided to undocumented documented immigrants come from community health centers nonprofit nonprofit organizations. organizations and they're all mostly i mean they do get federal funding they do have to show document the the agency has to show documentation not right. like the um, any of the patients or anything like that but the, the community health centers, they do have to show documentation of how their operations work right. and things like that. And they, so they can get this funding to help that population. Right. And they're required to treat anyone that comes to them without yes. looking at status or anything. Yes. Or even the ability to pay. That's something a lot of people don't realize, that a lot of these community health organizations and places that clinics that offer care, one can't refuse you. Mm-hmm. They can't ask you about your immigration status, and they cannot ask you. I mean, they'll ask you about paying, but they can't ask you if you can pay, and then you say no, and then they kick you out. They can't do that. They actually have to treat you. Hmm. So $18.5 billion, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. I want it. I'll take it. So right. If anyone's got $18.5 billion sitting around, I will take that money. I'm not going to argue that that's not a large chunk of change. Right. However, when you think about the large picture and how much – we spend overall, which I should have, I should have gotten some numbers on that, but I didn't. Like how much we spend overall in healthcare, right, as a country per year, and then we factor in that 18.5 billion of that goes to uh, undocumented immigrants. Is it really that bad? Probably not. Lance is going to Google that shit for me. And they though. actually contribute a large. They sum contribute of money. a lot of money to the to to the country to the economy. Now, a lot of people don't seek. A lot of undocumented immigrants uh, won't seek any health care because they're afraid of um, $3.5 trillion on health care in the United States yeah, in 2017. That's, that's, that's a lot of money. $10,739 per person. So $3.5 trillion, and then we've got $18.5 billion going to undocumented immigrants. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. It's not. Also, they're not even seeking tons of health. They don't <laughs> seek tons of health. Und overall, undocumented uh, immigrants, specifically one study found from Mexico, they have 1.6 fewer physician visits. Yeah, they have 1.6 fewer physician visits, and undocumented Latinos overall have 2.1 fewer physician visits compared to U.S.-born counterparts. And it's out of fear, mind you. It's this fear, is, right. This is fear that... 
something's going to happen, their status is going to come up, they're going to get reported, they're going to be arrested, they're going to be deported. It's not, and and you know, it's not always about fear, though. No. I mean, there there's a lot of there's a lot of things. I mean, it could be like a language barrier. If you're in a border town or you you live close to the border or a border state like like we are, then it's easy for a Latino person to find healthcare here, or or like a like a community service that will help them because. It we is. are such a diverse population. It is, but they have to do outreach because there is fear. There is absolute mm-hmm. fear, especially with the current administration. Even crime goes unreported by undocumented immigrants because they are so afraid that their status is going to come out and they're going to be arrested mm-hmm. or deported or both right. or their family is going to be broken up. There's fear. There's reasonable fear. Right. I mean, I'd be afraid. What are some so, myths, Lance? Give there us some myths. A lot of myths. So some of the the big ones that are false, obviously, and you said it, that immigrants just take away our jobs and they kill our wages. You know, I'm, this is going to go back to my family again. I have had literal conversations with my father, who I love very much, but he is uh, he's a Republican and he's a conservative and he is set in his ways and yep. we do have the occasional battles. But he's talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. They're taking our jobs. They're taking our jobs and, and all of this stuff. And I'm like... You had one of the best comebacks, though. So. It, was, it was pretty good. My clapback was pretty good. You know, I like I said before, I come from a, uh, we come from I come from a poor family, rural South, not a lot of jobs. So my dad was like, "They're taking our jobs," and I'm like, "Whose job are they taking? No one in our family works. <laughs> Everyone's on assistance. No one, no one works. There, yep. there, there's no jobs to take here. Like, no one works. Yep. And it's not uncommon. This and then, and an then, and thought. then, like, like, okay." It's going to sound like I'm slamming my family, but a lot of members of my family won't actually look for work. They're kind of, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. That's a whole different podcast we could do. Uh, that is a really good podcast we uh, could do. I don't know how to, how to really explain it without spending a ton of time. We'll have to go back to that. It'll take forever to explain that. Actually, it would be a really good conversation mm-hmm. to have in general because that what is... The areas that I grew up in, there yes. there's certain... Uh, there's just not a lot. There's there. no access. There's nothing there. There's no access, and then people become dependent. And it's what they know. It's what they know, right? There's, exactly. That's a good way of putting it. It's it's what they know. It's generational. It's right. It's gener- generational poverty. Is it's exactly, exactly what it is. It's, this is another thing. Republicans are consistently trying to take away these services. Can't you? You cannot take these away. These plenty of people who rail and rail and rail and rail about immigrants taking jobs and who and those people don't even look for work. Right. So it's kind of like, Absolutely. what are you talking about? Like, you're bitching these people are taking your jobs, but you're not even looking right. for a fucking job. And then, so more, more lovely uh, myths are that undocumented immigrants commit crimes, more crimes than those that are native-born to the United States. That's false. Another is that immigrants don't assimilate. That's a lie. And I have something that, well, you know what? Go ahead and... And the final one is that immigrants are welfare queens. I I hate, Mm. my my jaw tenses just saying that. But this is what people say, that immigrants are welfare queens. Mm -hmm. And that infuriates me. As a sociologist Mm -hmm. and as a mental health care practitioner, these are terms that are meant to dehumanize Mm -hmm. 
the person you're talking about. If I can make them sound less than human, then me insulting them becomes normal and easy, and then we can all turn on them and right make them no longer an issue. Bringing back to the assimilation, uh-huh. uh, this idea that you can't be assimilated, that's, that's stupid. Like, we as humans adapt. Right. Like, that's what we've done over time, throughout history. Like, we've always adapted and we've always been assimilated into, right. like, the society. Wherever we are, that's what happens. We assimilate. You know, one way that that can be seen is how... So there was a study that was done some time ago. I don't remember who did it or, or where it came from. But it found that... So when, an immig- when immigrants first come here, or to any country, right? when Im- immigrants first arrive... So you get here, and obviously, like, your native tongue is... That's your tongue. That's right. what you speak. Now, first generation... First-generation immigrants, they tend to be bilingual and use whatever language of the country they're staying in, and then they're uh, the tongue of their parents and their grandparents or whatever. Third generation is almost always not bilingual. They tend after monolingual. monolingual. After the third generation, they tend to be completely assimilated into the culture and society that their their parents uh, came to so and it's a slow progression it's an unfortunate loss too it is and i appreciate families who who like speak uh, their native tongue in the household i think it's really important to keep that going and we have some friends we have navajo friend who mm-hmm. speaks navajo and i don't believe she well no some of her kids do speak Navajo. yeah she right? speaks navajo and um we also have friends that their kids are at least half Puerto Rican, so they speak Spanish and English, uh, not fluently, mm-hmm. but she is teaching them Spanish. And a lot, a lot of people here are bilingual. A lot of our pueblos speak Spanish and English and a language of their pueblo. Mm-hmm. So there's Carasan, there's uh, there's a few languages that are specific to the pueblos here, like the Akama and a lot of the other Pueblos have their own languages. There is a lie, a blatant lie, that immigrants from third world countries to the United States are just importing poverty. Mm. It's not true. It is not true in the least bit. And <laughs> Importing poverty. Yeah. And that's a sick, disturbing view from the right. Mm. There's an interesting argument that if you open borders that you don't get these issues and poverty doesn't get imported. You actually get people that come in that can boost an economy, that can offer alternatives, that can bring about change, and that's the key fear right there. And this is why you'll hear a lot of Republicans when Democrats speak openly, honestly, and caringly about immigration, undocumented or not. They will immediately say that Democrats just want to bring in all these immigrants so that they vote Democrat. And that makes no sense for several reasons. One, they can't fucking vote. <laughs> right? Like they're not. They're, but what about voting fraud? It's rampant. God, they're not citizens, so they can't vote. So it doesn't matter. It takes quite a long time to become a citizen. Even if you come here legally, it takes a decent amount of time. See, this is the process, or this is, this is the issue. We need to have a better process for 
one, like checking people at the border, right? Like for asylum, like asylum mm-hmm. seekers. We just need a better way of processing those people. Oh, you mean telling them to stay in Mexico till we figure out if they can enter or not? Isn't a like good maybe plan? we should devote more resources to that whole process instead of building like this grand wall or you know jailing children in cages right. in the middle of the desert? Right, because that's um. Yeah, I mean, that's what God would want us to do, right? (laughs) It's definitely the Christian approach. So going to the myth that undocumented, quote-unquote, aliens are criminals, this drives me absolutely insane. And Trump has led with this when that girl from Iowa was murdered by Mm -hmm. a farm worker. Well, you know, it's... You know, and he'll say, oh, it's like, it's immigrants, it's immigrants, it's undocumented immigrants crossing the border. But right. he will look for any brown person oh, to... absolutely. Like, if you're brown, like... The the reality is, border towns like San Diego in California or El Paso in Texas, with the largest unauthorized or undocumented populations, have the lowest crime rates in the country. Mm-hmm. And I'll if actually, I go to a foreign country, I'm not like I'm going to not commit any crimes because I want to like, I want to fly under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you going to murder people? Like, they're not coming here to do these things. Like, this is this is a farce and a myth. And the Unitarian Universalist Association actually put out a really good thing about talking points on why reform is important. And one of the things they discuss is that crime. Even in sanctuary cities, have some of the lowest crime rates, mm-hmm. but that's not what you're being told. Are we a sanctuary city? I think Tim I... Keller is a supporter. I don't know if we're officially. Mm-hmm. I think we are. I know Santa Fe is. Well, here. Yes, Santa, Santa Fe, Fe definitely is. is. Definitely. And... I think Tim Keller did. I think Tim. Uh, Tim Keller is our mayor here in New Mexico. I believe he did oh. designate Albuquerque as a sanctuary city. I could be wrong, but I absolutely know that Santa Fe, which is about 45 minutes north of us, is a sanctuary city. Uh, yes, and it's also the capital of our state. It is. However, I think Al- – wasn't Albuquerque the original capital and then it moved we, to Santa Fe? Maybe like, not. I don't know. Like in the beginning of it. Maybe early stages. Oh, so yes, we are, uh, we are a sanctuary city. Yep. Yay, the, go Albuquerque! The city voted in 2018 to reaffirm its sanctuary city status. Mm-hmm. And that was a vote by the city council. Woo, woo. The city's immigrant-friendly resolution reaffirmed Albuquerque as a sanctuary That's awesome. city. Let's talk about comprehensive immigration reform. Am I too far away from the mic? Let's talk about comprehensive immigration reform. All right. So, so we've kind of given reasons, some of the reasons why we need comprehensive reform. Another from the Unitarian Universalist organization is they make a good point. There have been a serious escalation in raids and deportations by ICE. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody knows, but ICE actually stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It's a newer agency. This yeah. is not an agency that has always existed. This agency can and should go away. Those deported from the United States often have children or spouses who are actually U.S. citizens. Hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the times, if you look at the data, these people weren't deported for serious crimes or anything. A lot of people have even been Been deported for just having a speeding ticket. Then they get deported, especially kids that 
like may have been born in another country but came here young they don't generally know the language well anymore they've never been to the country or they haven't been back since their parents took them out so they get deported to countries that they can't speak the language well they don't know how to function in it they have no documentation that they're citizens there either mm -hmm. And I honestly believe that that should be considered making somebody stateless. But a lot of times these countries will take them in and will do what they can to help them. I've read stories of, uh, like, there was this one family, and this is, like, just one example. There was a family, I believe it was in Florida, and I believe it was last year. The, the father, uh, um, he had, like, two children. He was married. He had been here for, like, 10 years or something like that. But he was undocumented. And in that time, he had, like met his wife, gotten married, had these uh, two beautiful children, had a job, was, you know, doing everything that a uh, documented immigrant would do right. or a person who was actually born here in the U.S., doing everything that they would have done, stayed out of trouble, and then all of a sudden he's deported back to, um, back to his home country, and he had to leave his family, and he did nothing wrong. Like, right. they, just, they just found him. Yep. And he he did nothing wrong. He was a uh, he was a good citizen and contributed to the community and everything. And people have even been deported just for getting a speeding ticket, and then the police find out and they'll report that person to ICE while they're detained. It's it's disgusting. And actually, I just looked. Uh, the U.S. detains over 280,000 people a year, costing us 1.2 billion dollars. That money almost always goes to private contractors. Right, which so, this current administration is all about those private contractors. Yeah. So. And then uh, they talk about the billions that spent on fences, raids, patrols, prisons. Undocumented immigrant immigration has increased since 1992 from 4 to 12 million. The takeaway from that point isn't a scare thing. It's law enforcement isn't working. Uh, Go ahead. Really quick, too, also, I'm, I wanted to say this at the, at the beginning. Undocumented immigrants are actually on the decline, and they have been on the decline yeah. for the past few years. Yep. So this, this going back to this whole idea that the border is being overrun, right. and, like, I just have this, this – have you ever seen that show? I think it's uh, something Z. It's a zombie show. World Z or something. I don't know. Anyways, there's this, like, one part in the, in the, in the show – where these zombies, they're just like crawl, they're like running yeah. really, really fast because that's what they do in that show. And then they just scale on top of each other to like crawl over. Scary as hell. And that's how this, that's this image that uh, the conservative and, and the, the right sort of like push into our heads yeah. that that's what's happening. And that's not the case at all. They're not scrambling to no. get here. The people who are scrambling to get here are actually people who need to be need here. To be here. LGBT people that are facing like scary abuse and threats of yeah. violence in their country. Families that are trying to get their uh, families to a place where they're not being chased by gangs that want money and want them to do illegal things. For and I'm, them. I'm not saying that. Like, there are no bad people that are trying to right. cross our border. Obviously, that's the case. There are bad people who want to cross the border that we probably don't want in the country. Are they the majority of the people who are trying to cross the border? No. Right. Not at all. We have a lot of bad people in the country we that they'd like to people. deport, but we can't because they're citizens. And we're born here. And, you know. They're white. Since NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, became a legal thing, wages for Mexican workers dropped by 22%. They can't compete against U.S. subsidized factories, farmed corn. Mexican farmers have been driven off of their family lands, 
and the Mexican government admitted that 82% of the working population has less income than they actually need. Hmm. Because North American Free Trade Agreement robbed them. And this is why now I mean, can't, like, I mean, but Mexico could back out, just back out of that, right? Well, and do away with NAFTA. They could, but then you're going to face a lot of pressure from the United States government because this this is this was the United States government that came up with this terrible huh. idea. And the US economy has depended heavily on migrant workers from Mexico, including going back to the 1940s because there was a shortage from the World War. And the U.S. government actually invited Mexicans to work as farm laborers. They were sent to every state except for six states. This program went until the 1980s. Hmm. How many people don't know about that? Right. And they pay taxes. 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 And they are statistically less likely to be involved in or commit some sort of criminal act. So I'm from North Carolina. My family, we're all like around that area, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia. There are a lot of immigrants there, uh, some of which are undocumented. However, only like half of all unauthorized immigrants live in three states. Right. Half of all immigrants, unauthorized immigrants live in three states, uh, California and New York and Texas. Right. So. I mean, yeah, like other states like North Carolina, they could be impacted, but they're not impacted to the degree right. that these other three states are. And there's that false belief that wages like go down because of immigrants working, and that's not true. In 90% of the cases that were looked at, U.S. workers experienced a wage increase due to immigrant workers being there. So another lie that we're often told, and we will probably be told until the 2020 elections occur. Mm. So what would comprehensive immigration reform actually do? I don't know, Lance. What would it? It would create actual avenues for people to enter the U.S. We would revise our visa policies so that work visas that are issued would better match the demand by U.S. employers. Hmm. And it would provide, this is the important part, full labor rights, job portability, and a path to permanent residence over time for those who would not displace U.S. workers. This okay. is hugely important. Can we, yeah, in my new, not everyone who works, who, not everyone who works um, as an undocumented immigrant works willingly. Right. Like some are, you know, they they cross the border and they're looking for jobs. They're on these farms or in these, you know, wherever they're working. And sometimes they get there and then they're held captive. Yeah, they're like, to work. horribly mistreated. A lot of people have even said it's because the there's form. again, there's no laws right. protecting them because they're undocumented and there's nobody knows they're actually here. Immigration reform, comprehensive immigration reform, would even create a path for legalization for those that are already in the U.S., and those would be workers who have not committed any violent crimes. They would earn legal status, and as the the right likes to say, this would restore the rule of law, mm. which is ridiculous. It would also reduce multi-year backlogs in visa applications. I was just about to make a point about the backlog for those. In 2019, in, in 2019 of this year, <laughs> in February of this year, 2019, for those not in the know, 
The government was actually still processing some family-sponsored visa applications that date all the way back to August 1995. Good Lord. And employment-related visa applications from August 2007. I was still in high school. That's how backed up we are. So what we really need is, like, for these things to be streamlined. We need to devote more resources to this whole process, to, like— seeking out who actually needs our help at the border right. instead of building like this this crazy-ass wall. So the current wait tends to be 7 to 10 years and can be up to 20 years. This, of course, breaks up families. And the backlogs for employment-based visas actually encourage undocumented workers to be hired and taken in at poor rates. They're mistreated, and it hurts the economy. So... We're doing no good with what we currently Mm -hmm. have set up. Now, this talks about uh, humanely securing our borders while allowing the flow of documented people in commerce. There would be smart enforcement, which means effective inspections and screening practices, fair proceedings, which would mean we'd actually have to have a nice amount of judges to do this. They'd be able to efficiently process people. And there would even be strategies that crack down on criminal smugglers and employers who exploit workers. At the same time, our border security practices must facilitate the cross-border flow of goods and people Hmm. that are essential to our economy. Something that, if Dipstick shuts down the border, is not going to happen. And we are reliant. I just can't even believe that he's thinking of shutting down the border. We we are reliant on food. Just food alone. We won't even go with anything else. Because tons of stuff comes from... Where the fuck am I going to get my avocados? There you go. Exactly. Imagine the cost of American-only products. This one guy uh, yesterday, yesterday Lance and I, we were watching... uh, I think it might have been... What's the show with Jane Pauley? Oh, wait. That's today. That's today. So it wasn't that show. There was the show that we were watching yesterday. I don't know whatever it was. I can't remember. But there was a a guy who runs this business in Texas, and it's a border town. And uh, he does, like, it's all produce, and he comes over from from Mexico and everything. And he's got this huge, this huge company here in Texas. Not here in Texas, but there in Texas. And uh, if he were saying that if he, if Trump shuts down the border that they would be out, their entire warehouse would be empty in a matter of days, yep. and that stores would be missing those products. They Absolutely. would feel it within a few weeks. Yep. Strawberries, like fruits, vegetables, those would be the first things that would be noticeable. Mm-hmm. We have products, vehicles that are made. A lot of our companies have put plants in Mexico because they can pollute there and pay zero for labor and mistreat people and our car production would slow down. You know what I would like to see? I mean, I I wouldn't like to see it. I don't want to see it. But I'm going to talk like Walmart. Walmart, for example, not a fan of Walmart. A lot of people love Walmart and a lot of people shop at Walmart and good for them. However, if they were to shut down the border, Walmart's produce, all of their produce pretty much comes from Mexico. Yeah. And you think about the Walmarts that are over the country and right. in these rural areas. Yep. Some of these rural areas where people actually depend on Walmart to get their produce. Right. Yeah. People would, are really going to feel the effects of that. It would it would be a travesty. And overall, like comprehensive immigration reform is the best thing we can do for us, the best thing we can do for immigrants. Personally, I just open the borders and I hate I hate borders. I think it's ridiculous that we even have see i am not completely for open borders um 
but I also don't know a lot about how open borders might work. So maybe I'll have to do some research on that. But ultimately, the United States of America was built on immigrants. Mm-hmm. Immigrants who were forced to come over. Well, if we want to talk about it, it was built on the backs of Mexican people, Native Americans. African Americans. White people did not build this country. No. White people did not build this country. And those who believe they did are terribly afraid of people with brown skin tone. Yeah, exactly. And what's... I'm going to say it. Some racist motherfuckers. It's true. <laughs> and honestly, I just, I hope that if anything, we've kind of given at least a little bit of knowledge so that people understand the reality rather than just the myths and why comprehensive immigration. I know comprehensive immigration reform gets talked about a lot. I don't think a lot of people understand what it means. No, I don't, I don't think so. So I'm hoping that helped a little is key points. Of course, we'll have links to everything that we, we did, uh, where we got information from. And honestly, if we misspoke, if we should have added something, reach out. All of our information is in the outro, but you can email us at rendezvous@protonmail.com, and I I want people to reach out. If yeah, yeah. If you download the app, the Anchor.fm app, you can actually leave us a voicemail. Woo! And we could play it and answer your question or let people hear your critique as long as you're nice. And just tell us in it at the beginning that you're willing or not willing to let us play it in one of our episodes. So hopefully this got somewhere and we gave you guys a little bit of information and you feel slightly more educated. But I feel that one hour just isn't sometimes I feel like one hour is just not enough time to No, and we can go over we can go over in any of our episodes i'm willing to go up to two hours after i am not willing to go up to two hours because i will get crazy well so let's let's agree we do an hour and a half at the most hour and a half at the absolute most okay so we're we can do it in the future for big things. I think this was a lot to try and get out in a very short. Yeah, period we of probably time. could have spent an hour and a half on this. Yeah, we could have spent two hours, but that's just far too long. And I'm hungry, <laughs> of course, because it's after four, mm-hmm. so we're after Kenny's feeding time. So, uh, yeah, guys, reach out to us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We don't know exactly what we're going to discuss next week, but we'll figure that out. And I actually think I do know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Be sure to like and share uh, all of our stuff on Facebook. We also started an Instagram account and a Twitter Twitter account. And we're going to try to stay active on all of that stuff. Yeah. And please like, share, tell people about us, rate us, rate us everywhere. Give us some topics that you you would like for us to discuss. That would be be fun. And actually, probably in the next few days, I'm going to put out a Google Doc that you can read. You cannot write on because I do not trust random people that would find it. I put a Google Doc up of things that ideas that we have for future episodes that mm-hmm. we can pull from. And and these uh, on the regarding the ideas, they can be anything. Yeah. They don't have to do. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be to about politics, politics or religion or anything at all. It can be. I mean, you could seriously whatever, whatever you, want. you want. Whatever you want. So that's. That's going to be, I will probably put it up in the next few days. I've got a project to work on for school, but over the next few days, it'll be up. This will be up on time on Monday, so be excited when this gets released that I actually did it on time instead of late. Hooray! And we will see you next week. See you next week.
Thanks for listening to The Rendezvous with Kenny and Lance. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash The Rendezvous, T-H-E-R-E-N-D-E-Z-B-R-E-W, or check out our Twitter at The Rendezvous, or you can even email us at rendezvous at protonmail.com. R-E-N-D-E-Z-B-R-E-W at protonmail.com. And even better, you can leave us a review on Facebook or even the podcasting app that you listen to us on. Better yet, do both. Join us each Friday as we explore a multitude of topics, issues, concerns, and controversies. See you next time.